0: This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network.
1: Welcome back to Previously on Lost. This is episode number 18, and I'm going to try to pronounce the episode that we're going to do just because of the fact that every time I say it, I usually get it wrong. So, if I get it wrong, somebody will correct me on this podcast. So, it's episode, it's really it's episode 19 of the show, but it's uh, Deus Ec Machina, did I say it I right? Think
2: that w- I think that was good. I that sounded that right. Freak
1: right. yeah. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and uh, so this is episode 18, and uh, we're going to be talking about a, a very lock centric episode. So uh, I'm Mike, in case you don't recognize me, and uh, over there I have uh, Corey. How's it going, man?
2: Oh, it's going
0: well, man. Going well.
1: Good deal. Good deal. And what about you, Steven?
0: It's going going good here as well.
1: All right, all right. And uh, you know what else is going well? Our Discord server over on the RetroZap network. So I encourage you to check it out sometime, and uh, you could do that. Just go to RetroZap.com. Dude, everything is there, so check that out. Um, As far as uh, show announcements, there really isn't any show announcements. We mentioned on the last episode that there's no more spoiler zone, so we're just kind of got to go full bore to this thing. Uh, Get that full bore... Uh, maybe somebody <laughs> picked up on that eventually, uh, but we're gonna, just going to go right on in, in into what we uh, just be able to talk about spoilers because it's again it's getting really hard, especially with this episode. There were so many things uncovered in this episode that we would have nothing to talk about if we had to stay spoiler free. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just because. Um, but we'll get into all that here uh, after a moment. So, you guys ready?
2: Oh, I'm ready.
0: Ready. All right. Well, Steven, take us away, man. All right. Previously on Lost, in Australia, Locke is turned down for the walkabout he signed up for after he failed to inform the company that he was a paraplegic. Upon Flight, 8, Flight 815's crash, Locke is amazed to find that he has the ability to use his legs again, and Locke muses with Boone about how to open the hatch door, which has no handle and no obvious way of opening it
1: unless you have a trebuchet, then you could possibly <laughs> open it.
2: A trebuchet, a trebuchet trebu- what? Treba- a trebuchet. <laughs> trebuchet. How do you spell that?
1: I have no earthly idea. There's, a t- There's Well, it ends a tea with a T. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Thank you, Steven, for uh, for catching us up to uh, what this episode's about.
2: And, uh, Another Some additional information here This is season one Episode 19 And it aired on March 30th 2005 It was directed by Robert Mandel Written by Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof Those would be the showrunners uh, The minds themselves Oh yes Two men and a polar bear it's the <laughs> Spinoff show that sounds, like,
1: that sounds like a really bad joke
2: Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, in this island, or on this, on this island, um, in this episode, after a mysterious dream, Locke sets out with Boone to find a crashed beachcraft in the hope that it will lead him to further lead him further on his quest to open the hatch. Meanwhile, at the beach, Sawyer begins to suffer from severe headaches. Flashbacks in this episode concentrate on John Locke's first meeting with his biological mother and father. Very interesting.
1: Very interesting. We'll learn about Mr. Cuther here in just a second. Uh, Mr. Cooper. Um, not at all, Mr. Cooper. Uh, a little bit about this episode. Uh, the title comes from the Latin term, uh, deus ex machina, which means God for the machine. In film and television, uh, it usually refers to a new kind of a plot device, such as a person or object that suddenly arrives and conveniently resolves an unseemingly unsolvable problem. Um... We call that, you know, in the comics world, we call that Superman. Um, Oh, look, I can't beat a bad guy. Let me come up with a new power. And, uh, (laughs) no, Uh, let's see. Swoosie Kurtz and Kevin Teague, who plays Locke's parents, are only eight years older than Terry O'Quinn.
0: Felt like they were really Uh, trying to make Locke look younger in this episode. They
1: really (laughs) did. They really did. Uh, let's see. Locke's mother, will find out, spent time in Santa Rosa Mental Health Institute. This is where Hurley was a resident previously. Uh, the nurse who checked up on Locke after operation is the same one who Spears, who speaks to, Spears Jack, who speaks to Jack in Man of Science and Man of Faith. Um... The events of this episode, excluding flashbacks, begin on day 39 of being on the island and run through day 41 when when Boone dies and Aaron is born. Spoiler, day 40 would be Halloween 2004 to the survivors. So this kind of, I put that in there to kind of catch everybody up. So we've been on this island for 39 days now for a little over a month. And over the next couple episodes, you're going to see like two days pass. Um, Because, you know, Boone dies, poor Boone. Uh, this was the first episode. This is amazing, co-written by the executive producers Lindelof and Cuse. It's amazing they didn't do anything sooner. This is the episode they wanted.
2: Well, wasn't uh, wasn't Lindelof a showrunner early on? But Carlton Cuse wasn't. I'm not sure about that. You no, know, I
1: think Cuse may have been a writer early on, but he never. But then, and he he, he moved up to. I I can't remember exactly what it was, but if you watch if you when you watch this episode regardless of when they came in this has lindelof and Cuse's you know touch all over this episode this is i mean there were other episodes that were good but this one just felt like a lindelof and Cuse kind of an episode
2: i feel like this is where you start to feel the uh, baton handoff from jj abrams to being um you know really centered on Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof's vision. Because you know, right. J.J. Abrams set up so much for the beginning of the season in the early show and arguably you know, the whole series. But then these guys really take over and take it in their own direction at this point.
1: Right. And they kind of add a lot more of the spiritual side and the mystical side to the island itself, whenever, whatever is the episodes they, they produce. So... Cool.
2: And it's good. you know, when you look at this episode with, with John Locke, oh my gosh, they plant these seeds that are like hitting us in the face, but we d- we can't see them for seasons to come. Some of the stuff that is right yeah. there.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, I remembered now what I was going to do the rating system. I was going to do the, uh, the rating system, like one out of 23, uh, uh, bad, bad mousetrap game <laughs> sets because I don't know if it's just me, but every time I tried to do mousetrap and it got the whole thing set up, the cage would never go down. It would go stuck like halfway down. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing would ever work on the game.
0: I used I used to love mousetrap, but I don't remember ever actually playing the game. You just set up the trap and let it go, but actually moving the pieces around the board, I don't remember ever actually doing that part of it.
1: It's because it's they made a game that was so fun yeah. that nobody wanted to play yeah. the game. You just wanted to set it up and watch it work.
2: Yeah, I loved I loved that game as a kid too. I remember it was it was like my favorite game for a while. I don't wow. really remember how the rules work. I just know you set it up, and that part's fun.
0: I think it was very basic. I I think you just moved around the board until I, like I don't think there was much. To no,
1: it. I I mean no, I don't I don't remember. You know what you ought to do is we ought to we ought to get together and play uh, mouse trap sometime <laughs> <laughs> if if it's, if you can even find it anymore. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't. Even, let's see.
0: They make they make a version of it, but I don't know that it. I don't. I think it's kind of been modernized a little bit, which you know always makes things worse.
1: Here it is. But it's. its tw- i like to. I- you can get it for twenty eight dollars <laughs> right now. Jeez. No twenty. I'm sorry. Twenty two dollars right now. <laughs> it is the modernized version of the game. So I wish I had an older version; that'd be cool. But we're not here to talk about mousetrap. Well, ish, we are. <laughs> uh, we'll go to talk about that then, I guess, in our uh, kind of in a four to eight episode moment. So, um, what do you, uh, what do you, what do you guys think? I know uh, I think like all of us have the same episode point: uh, John Locke's <laughs> toy store
0: <laughs> job.
1: <laughs> that was before the box what, company, what everybody. Sto-
0: yeah, what store was this supposed to be? I couldn't tell if they were trying to be a Walmart, a, a Costco. So, like, I, I didn't know what.
1: I felt like a Toys R Us maybe.
0: Maybe.
2: Yeah, it it seemed like some sort of Toys R Us-like store. But the blue vest kind of throws me off. I don't know what that means. But I think I think John, he's like an assistant manager or something. You could see on his badge. And it says, a lot of times people wear like the little vest if they're you know, a special customer service person.
1: Yeah, I really like the way he, and 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 for somebody like me in the profession I'm in, I really like the way he he got down and he just explained the game to this kid and showed him how it worked, what does it do, and you can see like the kid was like really interested in it. And of course, then he sees his mom, uh, but I really appreciate that. And so we know that John Locke originally had a um, had a heart. And
0: uh <laughs> well, you know we 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 see him do this on the island with Walt. I mean he he enjoys games. He enjoys, you know, he played the game with with his friend over the phone at work, and uh, you know he he teaches Walt backgammon, and he he still enjoys his games, and he's good at at teaching youngsters how to play them.
1: Yeah. Even poor Boone, he teaches him how to play how to play uh. Don't climb the plane, um, but uh, I really like this episode because you start to see John's connection with this isle with the island. In this episode, you you really start to see because you know he's you know toward the end he's he he he's blaming. He said you know what did I do? I did everything you wanted me to do after Boone got hurt. He said I did everything that you asked of me and. And I've given everything. I've had faith in the island. You see it come out when he's talking with Boone. He says, you know, the island will show us what to do. And the island tells us. And and you start to see this really, like, John Locke is really spiritualized into this island. And Boone has, I guess, a normal person's reaction to this when you're (laughs) trapped on an island for 39 days. Okay, buddy. What did the island tell it? Oh, okay. Maybe you should get some shade, man. I mean, Boone just had this reaction, like, John. What are you? What are you talking about? So we really start to see this connection grow in the island, and I really like that um, in this episode. That's one of the things I enjoyed.
2: Yeah, and I think what's interesting at this at this uh, point in the series is now we start to hear some of this messaging that is going to last, you know, throughout the series for John. This is a test. The island is testing us. That's why it failed. It's testing our faith, and we need to try again and 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 rebuild the trebuchet. Now we need to follow this sign. And it's interesting that you know Boone goes along, and he kind of makes Boone a believer in a way. Uh, when when uh, when Locke brings up Teresa, and this tragedy that happened. Um. You know, for me, one of the most interesting moments in the episode was the a uh, trippy psych, psychedelic dream that that Locke has about halfway through. And I think, you no, know, I mean, we've seen some dreams um, or or some, some visions, some things that aren't really there. We've seen some of the survivors witness things like that. But this was on a new level because Locke sees, um, you know, he sees Boone covered in blood and then he's in a wheelchair and the plane crashes. And the weird part about this whole dream is at first – it really does seem like Boone is, is having is having a legit uh, you know conflict with him. You know, this is stupid. We shouldn't do this. And it turns out to be a dream. And it, I I really love the style of that type of dream where it starts off and it seems very real and like this is a conversation that we could believe would happen, and then it turns into something that's obviously some sort of sign.
1: Yeah, I liked Boone's question. John, you've been hitting the pasty, you know, vision stuff again. I mean... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't be
2: surprised.
1: So that's 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 good. That's good. Um, but yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, he, he feels, you know, when the first trebuchet doesn't work, the piece goes... And that's something I noticed in this episode. So for the first time after it lands and you see Boone and you see Locke like run toward the hatch, this is the first time I noticed that piece sticking out of his leg before Boone points it out <coughs> in my rewatch.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was definitely looking for looking for that and the first time I like I, I watched that scene a couple times, like can you at first it didn't seem like you could see it, but then I saw that first scene they do show it sticking out of his leg.
1: Yeah, and the other thing I noticed, too, when it came up was, um, was man, they dug a lot of dirt out from around that hatch. I mean, they were they must have been at it because there was probably a good 10 feet they had dug all the way around that hatch. There was a lot of dirt in the room that had been removed.
2: Well, if, Well, if you think about it, these guys are very determined to get in. And that's why you see this bond between them you know, we see parts of it throughout the season, but a lot of it obviously is happening off screen. And so, you know, Boone really does believe in the importance of like, let's open this up. What the heck is inside there? And, you know, now finally he's come to the point where he's doubting it. And I think this is interesting because this is, this is like the first episode where John, we really start to see more of his suffering as a person, like that he suffered throughout his life with, with sadness. Um, and because up up to this point, most of his experience on the island has been joyful. It's been a rebirth. It's been a new life. And then obviously we knew he had some terrible experiences, you know, pre-island in the, in the flashbacks. And we get a little glimpse of his life before he met Anthony Cooper. And my question is, it's only very brief there. What do you guys think of John, you know, in that brief moment? Do you think he was happy? before he met anthony cooper did he seem happy
1: i thought he seemed happy
2: i thought so too he seemed like the john Locke that we we know on the island and then by the end of the episode he's obsessed with uh his dad and losing the kidney and then pretty much for every flashback after that he continues to be uh you know, obsessed. Even though he does find some other you know happiness with with Helen, and we'll get into that on a later point. But it it's very interesting that we see those you know kind of ch- juxtaposed the the beginning of all of this anger and and suffering, you know, in his his off island life, and then kind of the beginning of all of his troubles on the island too. This is the beginning of you know. A lot of issues for John Locke and the other survivors. And it begins with this issue with his leg, which leads to the, the beach craft and then Boone, fall, you know, the plane. And it sets up a series of events that basically continue throughout the whole series.
1: Right. And this is, this episode is the moment you start to see the rift between Locke and Jack. Like when, when Jack is working on Boone and Locke said, tells him, well he fell off of a cliff, which technically Locke didn't lie. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Boone, Boone really he, he did kind of fall off a cliff just he didn't tell me he was in a plane. So when Jack goes against the stuff, he said Locke and she walked me back through it again to tell me exactly what happened. And he turns around and John's gone. And this and then you, of course you know you know once Boone dies, Jack is going to go livid against Locke and you're going to try to figure out, you know, what happened. And so, so this is the moment you start to see that, that, that splinter between these two, between man of science and man of faith. As the episode points out, you have a man of science in Jack, and you're going to have this man of faith in Boone. I mean, I'm I'm in Locke. So it was a good episode. I agree. It's a good episode.
2: I think what's interesting is there's parts of this episode that, you could say are a little gimmicky and like not as interesting, like some of the the first half of the episode, but overall the, the whole, like once they get to the plane and like once, once you've seen this over and over again, it's not quite as exciting. Yeah. Um, especially because this becomes a, a common location on the show. But I mean, I, I remember when you first watched this, it it's one of those moments that really blows your mind. And I think, uh, we were talking about in the last couple episodes, we were talking about in translation, how it was a great episode, but the reaction of a lot of the fans were that the, the, um, overarching story of the show wasn't really being pushed forward. This is kind of the opposite episode where the whole story of this show is really being pushed forward by the events that happen in this episode. Um, the part that I was referring to as being a little gimmicky is I, I never loved the fact that John loses the feeling in his legs it's it's really confusing there's not really uh, you kind of have to buy into it and, and explain it in your own way but you know it, it starts off as the hook of the episode and then you know it plays a major point later on where Boone where he can't climb up and Boone has to and then Boone dies and then we don't really revisit it. I don't. I don't think it's fully. Um,
0: yeah. So, somehow explained. Boone falling in the plane enabled him to get the feeling back. Yeah, I agree. They they really didn't explain that part of it um, very well, which is probably one of my complaints about the episode.
1: Yeah. I. 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 I don't know. I think. <clears throat> I think probably what happened was is, you know, we know the island has got mystical properties to it. Um, later on, we learn about the pregnancy mystical properties. We learn about just a bunch of different other things. So I'm thinking what happened is the moment that Locke started to lose faith in the island because the trebuchet didn't work and now he didn't know what to do to get a, the hatch open and he started to lose faith. Down said, okay, you know, I rewarded you with the ability to walk once you landed, because uh, it was uh, we learned that Rose had cancer until she got to the island, and then the cancer was was gone. But she and and if she had gone back, she probably would have received the cancer again if she left the island. So we know the island has those properties. So we know he gave him his legs back. Obviously, he can't feel anything; they're numb. So he's got a sense of neuropathy going on in his legs. But we. And so when he started losing faith in the island, the island said, "Okay, you know what? You you've lost the reward we gave you when you landed here because you were looking for something and you found it. So we gave you what you wanted to keep finding it, but then you you, you lost faith in us. So we're done. <laughs> so they took the feeling away. But yeah, it, it. I think they should have revisited again, and they never did for sure.
2: Yeah, I I think that that explanation makes sense to me, and I think that's what I've I've thought it was before." but but it doesn't it doesn't play in the episode like as exciting as it as it could if it was a little clearer but it but in the end that's not really the the most important you know aspects of this episode cuz really him losing his legs it's it's all it all ties back to this battle with his, um you know with his faith in the island this new developed faith and then of course learning about his past this you know this episode, him banging on on the the steering wheel of the car, and that music playing. Oh man, it's that's like one of the all time you know greatest lost moments there, and it basically affects pretty much every other John Locke episode except for the episode in season three, the, you know, where he's working on the commune, that's probably the, mm-hmm. uh, worst lock. I mean, no, not probably. It is definitely the worst lock episode and it's very weird. Uh, but every other episode is somehow tied into this episode related to Anthony Cooper related to his, uh, paralysis and, and, uh, um, it, you know it's all connected and it makes it makes for a great story a very tragic story too
1: yeah and you and you mentioned the music that played during John Locke's uh during that swell at the end of what was going on in his life man i'm just i that's just another moment to me that i was sitting there watching this and i'm thinking man my michael Giacchino is just absolutely was just spot on in his musical gifts at this in this in the show i mean just I mean just his talents were just were there I mean he had the right music the right motivation behind it per for, for the person so that was it was good it was a good spot there
2: yeah I think I think he'll go down as an all-time great composer I think he's already won an academy award or two and yeah he does a fantastic job a little nugget of of trivia that probably people know I think you find it on the uh uh Extras on the DVDs. Well, I guess a lot of people don't have DVDs anymore, so maybe not. But the- <laughs>
1: I, I, I still do. I have all my lost DVDs. Yeah, all the extras. <laughs> oh,
2: it's fun to watch those extras. Well, apparently, in the scripts, uh, a lot of the times when when it was a very emotional moment, they were planning to lean on the um, the score and to convey that in a script, which is not e- you don't just usually in a script you don't just write the score is awesome here. It, it just doesn't work. Like it, it's usually you're describing what's visually happening in, in a screenplay. And so they would just use a lot of uh, curse words and vulgar language to emphasize the, the importance of the scene. And apparently that was the, the cue that like, uh, you know, this is really effing hard or whatever like oh that this means that like the music really swells up here at this point because
1: wow <laughs> so, that's interesting i never heard yeah, that. i never heard of that before
2: interesting huh. uh tidbit there um because they really they really counted on that music like it was a very uh crucial part of their their storytelling it wasn't just an afterthought oh you know the music will probably be good it was very much intertwined in the storytelling and it, and it's so important to many of these episodes.
1: What about you, Stephen? You got anything?
0: Well, um, still, still in the flashback. Um, I really found the conversation between Locke and his his mom um, in the diner. I definitely thought that was an interesting conversation because it again it again plays on the whole the, this ongoing theme of Locke being special. So here's another person telling him he is special the whole immaculately conceived thing kind of led to a good joke by his dad. <laughs> I guess that makes me God, but you know, the whole, this is part of a plan, you know, you're, you're very special, Like If he's felt like Locke is getting told this, you know, all of his life, how, how special he is. Um, and you know, it definitely comes into play and, uh, how his story plays out on the island, for sure. Yeah,
2: th- those two two scenes really uh, pair well together. the The two meetings between his mother and his father, and it's interesting because both meetings are filled with with half truths and filled with lies too. Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff we we think is is accurate later on, like the scene with Emily Locke. You think, oh, she's a nutcase. That she doesn't know anything. But then later, years later, people would look back at that episode and say, Oh, she says you're very special. There's something important. And of course, the whole immaculate conceived thing was a lie, but there was something to him being special. And you also have, you know, Richard Alpert goes and sees him. Other people tell him he's very special. And this is one of those scenes. And, but now you watch it today and you know his full story. It just hit me so hard how tragic that is because the first person that one of the first pe- people to tell him he was really special, she was just blatantly lying to try to deceive him to, to you right. know, help out the dad.
1: Did did we ever find out what she was getting for that?
2: She just needed money. She says at the end that she she goes to she's gone down several right. times. Yeah.
0: He's always very good at that. He was always very good about giving her money.
2: And then the first meeting I had it as one of my my top moments. It, it's a quick meeting, but when when Locke goes, you know, he pulls up in his red beetle and he goes in there and he he has the scotch and it's this this odd meeting because they're two grown men, but also Locke is like the child in a way. And are you gonna drink drink that scotch? or are just gonna look at it and and. You just see Locke light up, you know, being um, or having this conversation with his dad as it, you know, you know, this is his father, but also equal. It's very interesting. And just knowing how much of a dirtbag this guy is, it's it's really Dude, sad to was, watch.
1: He was terrible. I mean, and I, like, I felt bad for like the, the guard at the gate. The one who had to say lock, I can't. I, I John, I can't. I can't. I, I I can't let you in, man. I can't let you in. He's not taking anybody. I mean, that's
0: tough. Yeah, you could. You could tell he felt bad about that one. But, um, yeah, part of that first meeting that I that I just really enjoyed was the fact that he asked him if he hunted, and he said no. <laughs> like, so you know, the whole lock that, that is on the island, the the super hunter, that is all because of this. You know this time spent hunting with his dad before that he did. He wasn't a hunter. Yeah. yeah it's, it's,
2: it's interesting what Locke does. I'm trying what I was, I was trying to piece together in my mind what he does after this. And I think that that Locke is angry at his father, but at the same time, he learns some new things about himself while he spends his time with his father. And then he, then he tries to go, uh, you know, apply this in his life and turn into this, this master hunter and in a way maybe be better than his father at at some of those things because the that first uh for, first couple shots in the in Anthony Cooper's house show him on all these you know exploration things he's it looks like he's out in the Sahara he's scuba diving he's doing he's fishing he's a guy that's done done everything imaginable which which goes to show you you know some just because you've done Amazing things like that doesn't mean it's fulfilling because this is a guy who is, you know, he's always trying to to deceive again because he's never fulfilled. And he's a bitter, angry old man and a very interesting villain on this show. Smooth talking con man.
1: Right. Because this isn't the last time we're going to see this guy. It, definitely not. He'll be back multiple <laughs> times throughout. So I guess we can all kind of agree, though, that the storyline for John Locke and his, his backstory, his character arc, really, really moved along and developed quite well in this episode, I think. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk about <laughs> Sawyer. <laughs> Sawyer and and, and had his headaches and then... Um, sawyer and jack's relationship in this episode (laughs) this was this was kind of funny to me um sawyer's having headaches kate was definitely concerned about sawyer um she she so she goes to jack and he said why are you having headaches well no oh it's him so it's almost like he he knows if it's not her it's always going to be about sawyer and um so he goes and checks them out and and offers to help i mean he he offers to help when he walks by and so eventually kate comes and it takes him to the caves and he starts asking questions you know have you have you ever slept with, with the prostitute have you ever contracted an, an std and when was your last outbreak and, then, and, he, just,
2: and yeah, he just yeah yeah wow jack,
1: jack came out Came out swinging on him on that one, and uh, and I remember he walked away, and, and Kate said, "You know, he did deserve that, but."
2: <laughs> I. Uh, <laughs> Jack, that was that was that was, that was, was a re- good that was a good move by Jack. He he was pretty suave about that. Oh yeah.
0: This was really a great Jack episode. The, he 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 was just uh, he was he was on point all episode. Between that and then the telling him he had myopia and scaring him at the end, Jack had jokes this episode.
1: Jack, Jack did nothing like Hurley's joke, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was good. So he, anyways, he discovers he needs glasses, and uh, he's got this box of glasses. I'm guessing that came from everybody that died on the plane, <laughs> and uh, they pieced together two two sets of glasses into one so he's got like this you know bulbous left eye and then he's got this like little skinny lady's glasses on the other side and uh, I thought it was funny so
2: oh yeah Uh, this is a great story to contrast the more intense storyline going on with, with Locke and of course it's classic Sawyer he can't ask for help from anybody and then this is a theme we'll see repeated over and over with with kate jack agrees to help because she asks not because he actually wants to help sawyer and they they tease that line right at the end you know he's like i didn't do it for him and then right before they can have a more serious conversation of course that's when when Locke comes Locke. storming in but i i love the whole you know sawyer just needs glasses and they really play it off well with the the sound that's bothering him and the headaches and you know you love to see the the handsome the handsome guy have to put on a pair of of goofy glasses um and of course sawyer you know he's it doesn't matter how stupid of glasses you give him he's still the the heartthrob for everyone
1: it it yeah it is uh it it um it's uh uh I just hope Sawyer's insurance gets renewed later <laughs> since it ran out. But, um, what, so it did anything, you know, I have a few more points on mine, but I want to hear from you guys. So did, did anything else kind of um, step out from you?
2: For me, I really like the moment when, uh, you know, they're, they're pro- progressing closer to to the, the plane, and at this point they've already found the corpse. Well, actually, I'll just talk about that for a second that was a, a really awesome moment when they find the the dead guy in the i always i just love that scene they're, they're going through his stuff it's like oh he's a he was a priest he's got gold teeth he was well off oh he's got nigerian money <laughs> why does john locke know what nigerian money looks like he knows the exact name of it and then like wait I don't think this is a priest. he's got a gun. It's just like it's that scene always brings a smile to my face. It's just it's like just so cool. I and mean, that's like a, one of those mystery, you know uh, mythology building moments on Lost that that's always great. Yeah. And then it it leads to one of my favorite scenes in the in the episode where uh, where Locke can't, you know he's fallen again, he can't get up. And then he he opens up to Boone a little bit about uh, you know being paralyzed and it was interesting uh, and maybe it's a tell that you might that Boone is in danger. Locke tells him a big secret that nobody knows. so you know be careful you might you might uh, not survive much longer but what what does he say? He basically he just he just <clears throat> he tells him he was in a wheelchair and then he says just help me up son and, and that's when they you know they they yeah. go and they they head towards the plane
0: and I also liked how he said you know when he asked him you know why he was in a wheelchair he said it doesn't matter anymore so you know he's that you know Locke has moved past that you know part of his life and it doesn't matter why he was in the wheelchair he's he's free of it now on the island yeah. And he wants of course, to keep it that way.
2: Of course it really does matter to the to all of us.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and well, they, they just don't well, want they, to
2: tell they, us yet. They want to save it for like two more seasons.
0: And, uh, you know, they definitely they definitely played on that earlier in the episode when he got hit by the car. And you know, it's kinda of like the whole why w- why was Kate in jail? They do that with why was Locke paralyzed. They just they keep throwing things at you to make you think. That that's why and it you know they don't really give you the answer until further down the road but because
1: if they gave us the answers now we would never watch the show anymore <laughs> when it first came out
2: yeah and then i think this is like such a a tense cool scene at the end you know so Locke and boone have you know you see you have this great bonding between them you know he's and they're getting closer and closer they're going to do this together and you know, something's going to go wrong and Boone climbs up there and it's just, you know, they find the statues, which is a great way to set up, you know, more drama of course for Charlie. And it's just, it's always, to me, it was always so cool. It's just like how, this is not what you'd expect to find. And you're like, what And now you want to know what is the story behind this, this plane? Like how did it get here? What were these drug smugglers doing? And, uh and it seems like there's no answers and then you know, Boone gets to the, uh, you know, the radio and uh, ultimately, you know, it's the cause of his death. And
1: of course now we, we know that the radio transmission was the tailies. and we'll we'll find that out um, here after a while, but we know they they kind of answer back, but they were in the middle of their own problems at the time we're dealing with with which they and they that they couldn't pinpoint who was killing them. And uh, they end up fighting this and, think, and thinking it's the others. And it ends up not being the others in the long run. Right. But but I, I don't even know if they had that planned out in this episode. Like, I don't even know if if they said, hey, we're going to have them, you know, he's going to hear somebody on transmission or whatever. Because they could have gone two ways with this. They could have said, yeah, later on, we wanted to do somebody with it. Or they could have said it was really all in Boone's mind at the time. That he was imagining somebody else is on the other line, but ultimately so they, we know it ended they, up being the, uh, the 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 Tailies. Um, and they
0: obviously had not cast had not cast the Tailies yet, so that's why it was a different voice than Bernard, who it ends up being.
1: Yeah. Um, another big point on the episode was that the plane fell, and we know that's going to lead to the death of Boone. There's just too much, too many injuries going on in Boone's body so that's going to lead to his end um, but that was a pretty big point and Boone was kind of upset because all Locke did was tell him to go to the plane and the only thing that was in there the only thing useful in there quote unquote useful was all the Virgin Mary statues filled with heroin and again like you mentioned that's going to come back to bite them later on where where you know Charlie is going to Start stealing those and hiding them, and it's not that he wanted to use them. He says it's just because I needed. To, I want to know where they were.
0: So here's the question: If this was the island leading Locke and Boone to this plane, what did the island want? Then, like, did they want Boone to fall? Did they want the? Well, they want them to make connection with the tail section survivors? Like, what? Obviously, it, you know, it wasn't about getting into the hatch so if the island did want them to to find the plane why do you guys think they the island wanted them to find it
2: well i think in season is it two or three you know two we find out that the question mark is there and that the question mark is what the plane falls on and that leads to a different hatch and inside that hatch you have all those video cameras that show inside all the other you know, the swan hatch yep. so i think i think that that's what the island wanted them to find well you know some people think that the other the other theory is that what happened was supposed to happen and that they were supposed to find that plane and uh you know the message here is that other people have crashed and maybe what the island is trying to tell them is that that other people have been brought and brought here for a reason, and that that could be basically the, the message. Just you know, kind of exploring this deeper, and, and if Locke was able to to figure that out, but the problem is Locke is so obsessed with I need to get in the hatch. That's the only thing that matters. He can't you know comprehend that maybe there's a, there's a greater um, thing going on here.
1: Yeah, I I don't I I never understood why. Um, why they allowed it to happen, but I do think you're right. I think it had to do when he meets Echo and Echo makes him show him the location of the plane later on in season two and Echo looks down from the cliff and sees the question mark and that's where they go. Um, I think that's the main thing the island was showing. I just think that, see, I, I, I don't think that the, I don't think the island wanted Boone to die. I think the island just wanted the plane to fall over. But Boone was not able to get out quick enough in order to avoid death. But I just think the plane, he wanted the plane to fall over so that, you know, if Boone had gotten out of the plane, rise the plane was going out, and had gotten back on top of the cliff and looked down, well, guess what he would have saw? The question mark.
2: Exactly. And- so...
1: Because he didn't, and he ended up dying, Locke never climbed up to the cliff, and he Locke, never saw the question mark until later on in season two.
2: and so if if he were to find that and he were to find those video cameras um at that point and seeing what was going on, maybe he would have been able to figure out, oh, the social experiment, because if you remember, basically the con Locke concluded that, oh, in the swan station, the hatch where they're pressing the button, that was some sort of experiment on, on the, the people in there. But in reality, the experiment, which is later revealed at some point, uh, the experiment was on the people that were being put in the, in the hatch where they had to record all, all these books, you know, that was the real experiment. Cause those books were just shot up to a field and they did. Nobody ever read them. So the experiment was on them. And, you know you could argue that if he had found that station first he would have been more in question of Desmond when they got in the hatch but Desmond still probably would have guided them to believe that he was pushing the button for a reason and then Locke would have probably never gone on to break the computer force them to um, you know evacuate the hatch and then blow up the hatch which caused all sorts of things so yeah it could have been a lot different had he found the other hatch first vice versa it became a challenge to his faith that he couldn't couldn't overcome he he lost his faith completely and went into this this dark place you know it's very similar the dark place he goes to at the end of season two is very similar to the dark place he's in at the end of this episode where he's just so angry and he just wants to change things, and he can't. He goes up. I love this moment. He gets out of the car. You know, the security guy won't let him in. He goes up to the gate, and he's like, "I know you're in there." Ah! And he's got the blood on his the back of his shirt still from the kidney. Yeah.
0: <laughs> How does this hospital just let people leave right after surgery? Like, isn't there some sort of rules against that? I don't.
2: Well, I, they didn't show this scene, but he actually. Uh, they they try to stop him and he just says, Don't tell me what I can't do (laughs) So,
1: you know how very of him. That's funny. (laughs) But
2: I regardless of what the island was trying to to lead John to, the end result, if you just look at it, you know, more from the writer's point of view, as far as the characters, is that Boone's ultimate death is becomes a huge um, division between Jack and Locke. And it it becomes what separates them. And it really sets in motion the, the remainder of the season, the conflict between them. And then um, it sets a course for, um, you know, trying to get in the hatch too.
1: Yeah. Yeah you know speaking of the hatch we get the light at the end now obviously we don't know watching it what that light is but um we we do find out later that desmond just keeps hearing all the banging it finally turns the (laughs) light on to see what's going on because he hears banging and screaming and uh, it's amazing it's amazing that desmond did not open the hatch when the trebuchet hit the window like something that loud and that hard was not big enough for him to open it up, but yet, but you know, you know, a guy I was sitting on the top of the hatch, pounding and crying, is is it's good enough for him to open up, you know, to turn the light on and see what's going on.
2: Well, it's it's because he was listening to Geronimo Jackson, you know, on Ooh. full you know, full blast down make there. So he couldn't hear anything.
1: Kind of music. <laughs>
2: yeah. He was listening to that song right there.
1: I love the intro to season two. I just, I just have to say, I love that first episode where we first get introduced to Desmond. <laughs> in season oh, yeah. two. So, you know, he's in, make, in making a way,
2: it's fun. In a way, this was the, the first meeting in this episode between Locke and Desmond, though it was, it was through sound and light, not through actual face to face, uh, meeting, but, uh, I think right. Those are my two favorite characters. You know. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> well, the, the the light in the hatch scene definitely comes into play later in the in the series too. I, this was a a big big moment for Locke, um, and then he he's actually witnessing this moment um, from not too far away um, when they're jumping through time in season five. Um, so him and Sawyer and the rest of the gang are are not too far away at this point future future lock.
2: Yeah. And we and we re- revisit the the beachcraft many times too. That's an important location. One yeah. thing I've said before when I when I've been doing these rewatches, I've been really trying to figure out what makes Lost different and so interesting. And one of the major points that I think people gloss over is Lost is just full of of great locations, great Um, set decoration where you you vividly remember certain scenes in locations the inside of the hatch with the where the button is that area is a huge one Um, and then so many of the other hatches and areas throughout the island the outside of the hatch and i think this is another iconic location where the beach craft falls and the and so you know you have this crashed plane and they revisit it over and over again it's just it's a great location it's super memorable and it's it's like i mean i know a lot of it is just the nature there but it's the whole thing is beautifully designed
1: well anything else that you guys got before we kind of get to our uh, overall thoughts in this episode
0: there there was it, it's a very small part of the episode but we do get a little bit more of the uh the development of Michael and Jen's friendship yeah we find, that, we find out that the that the remaking of the boat is going well you know michael says they've they've learned from the mistakes of the first boat and he's learned he's learning to understand Jin's korean a little bit so
1: <laughs> well he's learning to understand what idiot and stupid are yeah uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah in korean so that that really was a very nice moment to see where they've come from in the first episode where they absolutely hated each other to where they're actually working together now in this episode and, and we it, do see hey, and we do see Sun by the way planting in her garden. That's right. That's one of those and, moments there.
2: And just a casual conversation with Sawyer reminds you of how oh yeah now everybody knows she speaks English. You know, it's it's odd seeing that at first. Oh yeah. And then I think maybe one of the most important moments of the the series actually, it really uh, informs us of one of the biggest mysteries. Is we see Jack shaving at the caves uh, in front of the mirror because I think if if you guys don't remember one of the greatest mysteries of the first several seasons was how does Jack never have a beard but he's never clean shaven he's just always like two day scruff no matter <laughs> no matter what so uh, I think that. Uh, <laughs> This is just one of those moments where it's like, oh, there he is shaving. But for some reason, like it doesn't do anything. So I guess, I guess Jack just has, imper- you know, <laughs> facial hair of, of steel.
0: Yeah. They they definitely didn't have like a, tr- a trimmer, you know, you gotta. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's probably like one of those re- uh, disposable razors that should have been thrown away like weeks ago and people are sharing it or whatever. Or he's, he's just used one the whole time. But I remember, you know, this is 10 years ago, whatever. There was, like, a video of, like, the top 50 lost mysteries. And kind of as a joke, the number one mystery was Jack's facial hair. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice.
2: It's like he – because in the first several seasons, you never, ever see him clean-shaven. But it's also it – never grows very far. So it's, like, always he shaved the day before – where the episode starts and now it's grown out just a little bit to have that, that type of, uh, look to it. Um, so any, any last thoughts that you have, Steven, anything else that, that jumps out on you?
0: I think the thing that has bothered me since I first watched this show, has always been one of my biggest questions. It's, I know that, Locke's dad is, is is just a natural born con man and he's not a father, but he he didn't have to do what he did to Locke to get the kid Locke would have just given him the kidney if he was just decent to him. Like why did he have to go through this whole charade to you know, to give his mom money and get him there and just abandon him like he you know all he had to do was just be halfway interested in him and and Locke woulda, you know, given him the kidney without going through all of this. So I never did quite figure out why he had to, to go to those lengths.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't know why he feels the need to, to do this huge orchestrated thing when he could, you know, be a little more honest, you know, at least kind of meet him in the middle as far as like Hey, I'm your I'm your dad. I've you know, but I think he wanted to play the innocent character. It's like, oh, I didn't know, I didn't know you existed. I would have come to you before, and um, it's a little weird, you know. He, I always just think, why can't you just be? You don't have to be John's best friend, but can't you just be a partially okay dad and just? like you know we'll see you every once in a while you know we'll we'll get together for for dinner but i think at the at the end of the day uh, anthony cooper has a lot of deep seated issues and he just can't he doesn't want any sort of commitment to any person and like the closest relationship he probably has in his life is the the Security guard that he's got out there,
1: and that's sad. That that's his only closest person he's got in life is a security guard, and even he doesn't want to be mean to people like Locke.
0: I I feel I just feel like he could have saved himself so much. All those future, you know, conversations where Locke was hiding out outside of his house, and you know, obviously that was annoying him. So he could have saved himself all that grief by just having a, a couple conversations with him after the surgery. It just I I feel like his his plan kind of backfired on him there.
2: Well, I think what you can look at it, that's interesting is you look at Sawyer and you go this is what Sawyer is like now and Sawyer is you know a much better person than Anthony Cooper, but you could see the type of isolation and the issues that Sawyer has and had Sawyer, you know, maybe if Sawyer didn't crash on that island, you know, he would have continued down a path of crime and conning, and eventually turned into someone like Anthony Cooper. Um, you know, maybe that's a little harsh on Sawyer, but you you can see the direction he's going. And it, it that scene where where John wakes up and he's he's in the uh, he's in the hospital and, and his dad is gone is, is definitely that's a tough. It's heartbreaking, and it's one of those scenes where you go like immediately go ah oh, of course like it was so obvious the whole time. But we couldn't. You don't see it, and then you you understand like how horribly conned he was. I don't really understand what it. I I don't know how hard it is to get a kidney, but I always thought like, aren't you super rich? Couldn't you pay someone a ton of money to? But he, you know, he might not be that rich. He may just appear to be really rich because he's a con man. He cons people, gets enough money to buy expensive things, and then he runs out of it. I'm not really sure.
0: Well, so th- I, th- I thought it was kind of weird that the nurse didn't know they were they were father and son. Like, you would think that would come up in some conversation with the doctor. Like, you know, hey, we know they're a match because they're father and son. But, you know, I thought that was kind of weird that the nurse seemed so surprised by that.
1: Yeah, it... it, it <laughs> yeah... <laughs>
2: She must have just, like, started her shift and the other <laughs> nurse went home. <laughs> Something like that. And,
1: well, well, you would, you would think on the forms that he filled out, it would be like, you know, r- relationship <laughs> to the, you know, donor or, or anything like that. And you think it would come up there. You know, you would think. I mean, but, but when you watch this episode, of course, you know, we knew watching it going in. But when you watch this episode and you see the beginning, you know, um, oh, John, I told you 12 o'clock and he said oh i thought you said 11 it was is one of those, oh he had he had planned that like the whole time and he said well you know he said i'm an old man and the donor list is a long <laughs> list so when you see things it should even if you've never seen the show that should click off in your mind right there that should throw up a red flag mm-hmm. um but i don't know but we'll, we'll we'll see what happens more with with cooper and cooper and clan so
2: Yeah, we'll have plenty to to, to explore For sure. when it comes to Anthony Cooper.
1: For sure. Uh well anything else, guys? Uh,
0: well, I asked remember do you, do you remember what aisles the footballs were on in the toy store?
1: Uh yes. Uh the football is aisle four and the nerf is aisle eight, I believe. I think
0: it was fifteen and eight, but numbers. Oh, numbers uh, numbers. Close, <laughs> close enough. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Well, uh, let's go ahead then, I guess, and give our overall thoughts on this episode. Um, I, I personally thought it was a great episode. Um, I thought it was. Um, I thought it was. It was well done. You could definitely see the mysticism and the spirituality and the religious parts of the island coming through in John Locke's life. It made. You, it, it had you. The music in this episode had you feeling sorry for Locke um but also crap lock what did you do to Boone? um and it was just it was it was it was good i thought it was a a good episode it wasn't a perfect episode um but i thought it was a good uh episode so steven what about you
0: i also thought it was a good episode um the i I enjoyed lock's backstory Uh, i don't know if enjoyed is the right word but, you know, it def- definitely was a, you know, powerful backstory. Definitely kind of let you learn a lot more about him. Um, enjoyed the, the finding of the beach craft that, you know, and everything that is bringing to the story. My, my only real complaint on this episode is I thought that the whole losing feeling and the legs thing, um, I, just, I felt like that just didn't really work and yeah he didn't really come to a good conclusion, but you know my minor gripes um, still a very good episode um yeah enjoyed it
1: sweet, sweet Cory about you?
2: I feel pretty similar to Steven I think this is a a really emotional episode that uh helps you understand John Locke on a much deeper level, and I think it does a great job of setting up the conclusion of this season and, and putting us into what you would say, maybe the third act of the season and also sets the the groundwork for the series as a whole moving forward. And of course it gives us, you know, a little bit of a conclusion for Boone.
1: Yeah. Um, unfortunately this is the end of, of the Boone line. So, um, cool, cool. Well, we have a rating system, and uh, what's this? Uh, what's this rating system we got? Because Stephen came up with it because apparently I I had forgotten to uh, <laughs> to put up with it. So what we got? We got
0: we're gonna we're gonna rate this one out of 23 heroin-filled Virgin Mary statues. So Corey, how how, how many Virgin Mary statues would you give this episode? <laughs>
2: Uh, that is a great rating system a little bit of a, of a mouthful and uh, <laughs> I am going to go with 20 out of 23 heroin filled Virgin Mary statues alright
0: solid rating All right. My- Mike how about you um
1: Fill them up. I'm going to give it 20 out of 23. Heroin filled Virgin Mary statues. So it was good again. So I can't give it a perfect score. Only certain episodes get get perfect scores to me. Um, but, yeah, I gave this one 20 out of 23. All right. It's good. What about Man, you, Steven?
0: I, I gave it a 19 out of 23. Um, so we're, all, we're all pretty close in there.
1: Uh. You always got to be different. <laughs>
0: But yeah, I would say I would say we're in a really good stretch of episodes here, and I I wouldn't I'd say this continues that, but I wouldn't think it's maybe not quite as quite as good as numbers or a couple of the other, but very good very good episodes still.
1: I I'm still waiting for one of us to give an episode a single digit number. It's coming eventually. I know it's coming.
2: Eventually it'll, it will happen. It'll I,
1: probably happen in season two, I'm just guessing. That's where those episodes tend to occur.
2: Yeah, we've we are are going through an amazing run of episodes right now and it's, and it's going to continue next week and it'll eventually dip down a little bit before the season ramps up for a great conclusion. But oh, yeah. this is this is a, an amazing run uh, for any TV show to have this many fantastic episodes in a row. Uh, that, that's going to lead us into our ending discussion here. We're going to have an update on the uh, Sawyer Name Dictionary which we didn't really get a lot in this episode, but we got one doc from uh, Sawyer, uh, obviously in reference to Jack. He gave he gave Jack a lot of sass this episode, and then Jack really gave gets him, him right back. Yeah, he. I think Jack comes out the winner on, on this one for sure. And our freckle count is still at number five at this point. You know, and then we have a pop culture reference here. Uh, Harry Potter was brought up, which was huge at the time. You know, it, still, still is big. The, but uh,
1: the only time we ever see Hurley in the entire episode, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his
2: only appearance, he walks by, and Hurley comments on how Sawyer, uh, wearing his new glasses, uh, Sawyer, he comments about the glasses and he says, "Dude, looks like someone steamrolled Harry Potter," <laughs> <laughs> which is a great description of his his uh, haggard, you know, mish. Shaping glasses.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and that's uh, going to be
2: our only pop cult- pop culture connection uh, yeah, this, it was, this it week. Was
1: a little, it was a little light today. You know, a little, a little Sawyer's name time.
0: dictionary was kind of disappointing this week because you know Jack Jack said if he helped Sawyer, all he was going to get was a snappy one liner and maybe a new nickname, and he didn't even get the nickname, and he helped him.
1: I know, right? It, okay, it's well, like, it it's like it's like the creators were taunting <laughs> us there on this episode.
2: Well, I'm going to come to Sawyer's defense and say it's because he had the horrible headache, So he really, he was not on his nickname game. I think we're going to see a revival of the nick- nicknames coming up we now will. that he has new glasses.
0: <laughs> oh. Sawyer 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: Well, that was all for uh, for Deus Ec Machina. And uh, our next episode is a little easier to say. Um, it's going to be called Do No Harm. It's going to be a Jack-centric episode, so obviously we're going to get some Jack flashbacks, but we're also um, we're going to see the, it's a very, this next episode is a very emotional episode, especially on the show Lost, because it's the first time where we've had a uh, major character's death occur on the show. Um, especially before the season finale, most time people spe- expect major deaths like in you know half season finale or season finales and that kind of thing. They don't expect them just like episodes away from the season finale. So this is mm-hmm. kind of our first major episode, you know, um, character death. Um, the only other one that we would have remotely called, I guess, a major would have been the marshal, but even then he wasn't really even a major character.
2: Um, and you, usually you don't kill the best looking person on the show.
1: They own that up. But, you're being a, uh, li- but you're being be a, a g-
0: little disrespectful to Scott right now, but. Or was it, or was it <laughs> Steve? Oh, oh I, well, I thought remember. that was Steve. I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Scott and Steve. Oh, but, uh, but do no harm is the next episode. It's a Jack's intro episode. Good, another good episode one. I can't wait to get to there. Uh, but if you want to talk about it more, here's how you do it you can follow us on Twitter at RetroZapt, at LostRewatchPod. Um, you can find me at the DC yeah. underscore fanboy on Twitter. Um, you can also find me on. Um, I currently do a few other podcasts. I do DC Talk podcast, which is everything DC Universe, uh, Cape Chronicles, which is everything movies, superhero movies, and then I started another little podcast, which is just me, <laughs> and it's called Mike's Movie Minute, and uh, it's only about at the most five minutes, and I just watch a random movie just because I feel like watching a movie, and I just give my Right out of the box, just thoughts on the movie. Give it a little give it a little review. So it's nothing big. It's just like a five minutes or less kind of movie. It's Mike's Movie Minute. That's where you can find me. And, uh, Stephen, what about you? Where can they find you?
0: I am on Twitter at Lucky13Steve.
1: And you can also probably find him on the uh, Kansas City Chiefs website and fan sites <laughs> and all, <laughs> all those other places, too. Uh, and, uh, Corey, what about you? Where can we find you, man?
2: Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at original mav.
1: Original mav, love it, love it. And uh, like always, you could join us in the RetroZap app Discord. Uh, there's tons of things, tons of areas we can talk about in RetroZap. app. Um, a lot of other podcasts, exciting things. I know we have um, a new one coming out. Uh, Green justice, just, just wrapped up their last episode because the arrow verse or arrow ended and a very sad episode um but um they're doing a new episode or show called superhero suite which will probably be like a once a month all things comic books so check that out um but other than that um uh, just go to redshirt.com check everything else out there's articles there's posts there's podcasts there's a t public score or just anything that suits your fancy fandom um but is there anything else guys before we head on out of here
2: I think that's it. I'm I'm excited for next week, so uh, this is this is gonna be I think it's gonna be emotional. I feel like we we should do a little uh, recap of of Boone in general.
1: Do like um, a tribute video, or something yeah. Of Boone, you know, playing before and swelling music and yeah. Well, it's time to uh, close the hatch, and uh, we'll see you guys next time on previously on Loss. Peace out.
2: Peace out. Boom.